Another beautiful day that we get to share together as a family. And we get to hear the word of God. And I'm trusting that this morning this word would give us life again. It would encourage us as it often does. Uh, because God's word is alive. Um, and so this morning uh, we're going to continue looking at the book of Philippians. Chapter 1 verse 12 is a, is a scripture that we'll be um, uh, focusing on. So if you um, got your Bibles with you, take them out and turn to the book of uh, Philippians verse 1 chapter 12. And as you, whilst you turn there, I have a, um, a problem. I have a problem. I have an issue that I want to address, I want to speak about, I want to um, encourage us in. Uh, and we're going to look through uh, in the Word of God as to how to overcome this challenge that we have as, as humans. And um, this issue is uh, an issue that, or an issue which is a problem that can either lift us up or break us down. Um, and every single human being on the face of the planet is faced with this issue or this problem daily. I am faced with it. Uh, no doubt that you guys are faced with it daily. And the world, those who are saved, who know Christ, and those who do not know Christ, are also faced with it. And this issue or problem that I want to uh, look at and, and try to get some answers from the Word of God as to how to deal with it, looking at the example of Paul, is this issue of attitude. This issue called our attitude. Yours and my attitude. How we approach life, how we go about life, um, uh, it is largely dependent on our attitude. You know, your attitude can either uh, bring you up or bring you down. Other people's attitudes can either put you down or pull you up. And so uh, I thought to, to look at what the word attitude means in the, in the um, Oxford Dictionary. And this is what it says. An attitude is a settled way of thinking or feeling about something. So it's a settled way of thinking or feeling about something. So you've settled it. It's how we think. It's how we feel about something. Now, as we look at the, this particular scripture, um, verse 1 of Philippians uh, I mean, chapter 1, verse 12. We'll look at, I want you please to have that in the back of your mind. The issue that we are faced with every day. The issue of our attitudes. When you wake up, how is your attitude going to be today? The rain is upon us. How is your attitude today? How is it going to be tomorrow? And, and so forth as we carry on. So, um, the kind of sub, or the heading of that, um, the section of uh, Philippians 1, 12 says... Paul's chains advance the gospel. So verse 12 says this. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. This is Paul speaking or writing to the Philippians church from a jail cell, from a prison cell. Um, he says that. He says, now, I want you to know, uh, Philippian church, that what has happened to me whilst I'm in prison now, what, this all, what has happened to me has actually happened to um, advance the gospel. So Paul here in, in chapter or verse 12 
moves from up, the opening uh, greetings in chapter, I mean, in verse 1 and 2, to prayer in uh, verse 3 to 11. And now he comes to verse 12, where he has um, an encouraging um, attitude or way to present to the church, that the church that he, he's speaking to. Uh, and in, in this section, we will see, and we see that he, he, uh, his attitude, how he handles the letter whilst he's in prison. Remember, he wrote this, he was jailed, he was put in prison because of preaching the, the, the word of God. And there he is um, writing, encouraging this Philippians church that he started. And I've said it before, um, you're in jail and you are the one who's actually needing encouragement from us who are not in jail. Uh, so the Philippian church are the ones who should actually be encouraging um, Paul. But he turns it around and we want to just understand from this um, passage of scripture, his attitude whilst he's in jail. And one thing that you do need to realize as, as you read this uh, passage of scripture and the ones before is that we see Paul's attitude was closely connected and linked to God's um, view of his sovereign will upon, uh, upon life. Because there's, there's no way in my saved life I'm faced with those kind of things and then I would have this kind of attitude where I have been thrown into prison. In, in fact, I've been thrown into prison because I'm doing the work of God. I am preaching the word of God. I'm going around encouraging the churches and I get thrown into prison because of that. So actually, I haven't been thrown into prison because of crimes, as we understand what crimes are. I've been thrown into prison because I'm doing the work of God. And so my attitude would be different. I would be actually, man, Lord, how? Why? I'm doing your work. You, you have called me to do this. I'm doing, I've said yes, and I'm doing it. And then, yeah, this is what happens. You allow or whatever. People come and take me into prison. I would have a different attitude because of my circumstances. And uh, here we see Paul's attitude was different. It wasn't what my attitude would be like. And I, I don't think it's just, uh, what your attitude would be like. If you throw into prison for doing God's work, how would your attitude be? How would your attitude be towards your fellow Christian brothers and sisters, towards your family, towards your uh, people around you? How, what would your attitude look, look like? And... Um, it's, it's important to understand that um, we can see his attitude had to be closely connected to um, his view and understanding of God's sovereign will over his life. Because you're thrown into prison, you're called to go and preach the word, then you're thrown into prison. How is this going to work out? How is this going to advance? I mean, I said earlier on the, um, the chapter this is, um, this, uh, the Paul's chains helped or served to advance the gospel. How in the world, how I'm thrown into prison and um, because of that, it's going to advance the gospel. We'll see um, as we go through the rest of the, the, the scriptures, the verses, we'll understand how and why the word says that. Now, the, the Philippians church uh, was deeply concerned about Paul. They loved Paul. Under God, they actually owed 
poor for their salvation. Because he was speaking to them and God used them in a mighty way to bring them to salvation. And then this church, was, a church family was born. So, and in fact, they owed Paul for their salvation. We know it's not, it wasn't Paul, it was God through Paul. But uh, God used him and they were saved through his uh, obedience. And um, um, Paul left Philippi. Um, and then when he left Philippi, they lost track of him. They lost track of him. Um, he went back to Jerusalem. He was arrested and spent uh, two years in prison. In, a, in prison in Caesarea. Uh, I think it's how you pronounce it. Hey, Sean. Caesarea. I don't know. See something. Um, he was shipped to Rome. And again there he was uh, prisoned, in, imprisoned. And then finally the Philippians found him. He spent two years in Jerusalem in prison. He was shipped to Rome and again he was still in, in prison. I don't know how many years he was actually in prison. And, uh, then the, and so the, the church was concerned. He helped uh, uh, kind of raise up this, this church, bring this church together under God. And they were concerned for him. Where has he gone? He's been, he, he's been God's work. He got arrested. We haven't heard from him. They didn't have cell phones back then. Um, they, I don't know how they communicated, but they didn't uh, have any way to, to speak to him. And so here, they, they eventually find him when he was shipped in Ro- to Rome. And then uh, Paul writes this particular uh, verse of scripture to try and encourage the church. Now, we learned earlier that Paul was a man of prayer. We, and he prayed for his friends and his families and, and believers. Now, for him to get to a place where he's in prison and he's writing to encourage the church, it has to be born out of a place where he was spending time with with Christ, spending time in prayer. And as he did that, God put in his heart to pray for them and encourage them because they were concerned. They loved him and they were concerned for for him. And there he is encouraging them and assuring them that he's okay. He is okay. Um... And that's the attitude. I mean, that, that's a, uh, God help me with, to have that kind of attitude. When things are going haywire, I don't understand why this has been, uh, this is happening to me. Uh, I don't understand. But help me to have the kind of attitude that we see in Paul. An attitude that is actually God, I look at life, I view my life in, uh, under your sovereign hand under your leadership, under your protection, under your leading, under your guiding. I don't understand things, but actually I, understand, I even don't understand you, but I trust you. In fact, I actually don't even necessarily trust you in my own ability. I need you. I need your help so I can trust you. Um, I need your help so I can trust you. And this is a man, looking at his attitude, had to be a man who spent time in prayer. He spent time with God. He spent time um, interceding, praying, asking, pleading, and uh, doing all these things that needed to be done. Now, in this verse, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. One is struck by his uh, confidence in a time of trouble. 
And I remember we looking at his attitude in, in this time of trouble. He's in prison. I mean, if you go to prison now, we hear stories about prison. And they're not the greatest of stories. It's a time of trouble. But what is struck at Paul's um, confidence in this time? And um, it just kind of highlights it is vitally important to have assurance and confidence in God at every stage of our lives. Every stage of our lives, whether we, it's good or whether it's bad in our understanding. I see it, it just highlights the importance of having an assurance of God, the confidence that God has given us, whether things are up or whether things are down. We still have the confidence in God, the one who's never changing, the one who says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it is true of him, then despite where we might be, we have to still hold on to the truth. That he is unchanging, that he is loving, that he holds us in the palm of his hands. Uh, and we can see that in, in Paul's attitude, we see how Paul uh, shows he's confident in his prayers, how certain he feels about his own salvation in um, verse 6. He expects the continuing protection of God for himself and his friends, he is sure of God's acceptance. Here he expresses his confidence in God's overruling um, sovereignty. So things look as though they are up in the air, but he is confident that God is protecting him. He is confident that God is doing what he needs to do, what he plans to do in his life, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of whether um, you know, you've lost your job, or you've been dealt this blow of this thing, this has been declared over, or this is, you are still confident in the God that you serve, in the King who calls you His, uh, his own. And looking at this verse, we can, the first point that we learn from Paul in this um, passage is that the Christian is to be a person of confidence no matter what happens. The Christian, you and I, God's children, are to be those who are confident in God no matter what happens. No matter what happens. Now that's a hard statement to, to, to make. Because when we are thrown in the situations of life, do you remain confident? Life does things. Things are thrown at us. Are we still confident that God is God in our lives? Are we still confident that it is busy with a, with a work, a work that maybe we don't even understand? But he says we are his. He bought us at a price. He's got a plan and a purpose for all of us, his children. But life doesn't, doesn't seem to be the case. Life doesn't show itself to be true in that, in that regard. But do we still remain confident in Him, in who He is? Because when we know His character, when we know who He is, we can be confident that when things look as though they're going downwards, actually they're going up because He is God and He is doing what He needs to do for our sake and for the sake of the gospel going, going forth. See, um, invariably, 
the things God wants us to know is the thing or other things about which we are most ignorant about. Uh, here Paul puts it in a positive way. He says, he starts off by saying, I want you to know. He doesn't say, um, not I think or maybe or this is why this might be happening or this is why this happened to me. I got thrown into prison. I, I was preaching and, and I, no, no, he says, I want you to know. He puts it in a confident um, uh, way of a, a, a confident fact, like as a, as, a, as a matter of fact, I want you to know. I want you to know. And remember what Hebrews eleven three says. It says, "By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that." What is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. So this that is created was created out of nothing. <laughs> out of nothing. That's a very hard concept to understand. But if we can believe what God has said, that he created the world by his word, we can believe that he is holding us in the palm of his hands. He's working things out in our lives. Um, he is um, um, edging this road. He's helping us, paving this road to get us where he needs to get us to. Because we are his and he is ours. See, this, uh, that, that script in itself is a dis- difficult one for non-Christians to understand. And even for us as Christians to understand. How is something made from nothing? How is uh, a word spoken it, be- it becomes? It's a, it's a hard one for us to understand as Christians. Can you imagine, for those who are not Christians, how hard that is? See, the, Christian, uh, the non-Christian can grasp things on a finite level. So, by their uh, brains, they understand. By their education, they understand. And so do we. By their intuition, they understand. And so do we. But for us as Christians, we are a little bit different. We are a little bit different. Yes, we understand somewhat by our brains, by intuition, by our um, uh, education. But bigger than that, we comprehend that um, faith is crucial in our understanding of living this Christian life. The Word of God says that faith is what pleases God. Faith is what pleases God. Now we understand as the uh, sons and daughters of God that actually um, the things that are divine, that we cannot reason, cannot explain, cannot understand, have to be born out of a place of faith. You have faith that God created all of this. I have faith He created all, all of this. His word says, by faith you are saved because you, He drew you unto Himself. And by faith you believed. By faith you are saved. This is the difference between us who are born again and those who are not born again. Those who are, uh, as we sang this morning and prayed for, uh, the word of God says that the, the God of this world, of this age, is, is busy. He has blinded people. And for us as his children, we were once there. We were once blinded. But by faith he opened up our eyes. 
By faith we can see the things that others cannot see. By faith we can see that which is not physically there, but it's there in the spiritual. We are different. And so for the Christian, us, we, we understand the, the importance of, of uh, comp- comprehending the faith element in our lives. Especially when it comes to divine things. Especially when it comes to the grips uh, of adversity in, uh, that we face. Faith is foundational. Faith is foundational when it comes to coping with pain. We don't understand some things. See, Paul here is writing to those who are physically free, as I said. He's writing to the church in, in Philippi. They are free, sit, seated, or oh, I don't know how the setting looked like, but he's writing to them, encouraging them. So people are free physically. He wasn't free physically. He was in prison. He was in prison. But whilst he was in prison, whilst he's writing to this, this uh, encouraging letter to them, we see he wasn't depressed. He wasn't depressed. Man, I think we would all be depressed. Oh, the business is going down. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, my family's not doing this. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm depressed. Uh, this, this is the attitude that um, uh, we, the world kind of almost throws on us. Checks, how, how do you behave? How do you react? How, things are going this way. Think, everyone is going, the world is going down. How's your attitude? How, react, how are you reacting? Uh, like everyone else. Yes, we are in the world, but the word of God says we are not of the world. So what sets us uh, apart? It's got to be something to do with our, our understanding of, our, um, of the divine nature, the sovereign nature of God in our lives. He's not depressed. He's writing to the, uh, his friends. He's not grumbling about the fact that he's in prison. He's encouraging them. He's not um, um, uh, speaking negatively about stuff. He's speaking positively about stuff. He's not depressed. He's not grumbling. He's sure that all will turn well. All will turn well for him. Though he does not know yet whether he will live or whether he will die. He's in prison. He's awaiting uh, uh, to be trialed. It was an unfair trial that he was thrown into. He's waiting for that. But uh, he doesn't know whether this trial will turn out to be where he's get, he gets set free to continue his uh, work on earth. Or will, will he be killed? He wasn't sure. Yet he finds himself in a place where he's not depressed. He's not saying, oh, woe is me. Look at me, man. Please send me some food or, or help me. Come, church, come and pray for me. Now you'll find me after two years. Come, you, you know where I am. Come, come. Come and pray for me. Come, come. Uh, no, no, there he is. He's encouraging him. I'm, I'm coming to you by way of, 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 of writing this letter to you. I'm going to encourage you. I wonder how many of us will, will be like that. I wonder how many of us uh, attitude will be like that. But you know, because he was connected closely to the word of to, to God, and he's, he understood that God is his um, overruling, um, um, he can overrule everything. This is how things are going. This is how we think and see things are going. But in God's um, divine way, things can turn around. He can turn things around. He's able to raise the one who is dead. 
This is the God that I serve. He is able to bring. He is able to take. He can do much more than we understand. This is the God that I serve. And then he carries on to say, he starts off by sending this scripture. I want you to know that the things which happened to me, the things which happened to me. See, Paul was in danger, as I said earlier on, of death. Um, and you can imagine where he's in a, in a prison cell. He's going to be uh, taken to a trial where he either be released or put into prison for uh, whatever the period would be, or he'll be killed. Now, but that, I mean, that um, life there was quite something. You did, you get, went against the law, they killed you. They killed you, you know. And so you can imagine in, in his prison cell, he must have been quite discouraged. I would imagine he was discouraged. God, are you still at work? Are you still doing something? Look what's happened to me. As I said earlier on, I'm thrown into prison. I was doing your work, I'm thrown into prison. And in fact, now it's a, I'm going to be trialed and put into, into the, I mean, this place where it could end in my life being taken away. That must have put a significant strain on his relationship and his reliance and his trust um, in God. As I'm sure it does with us in many circumstances of our lives. As God, as things happen to us and God, God are you there? Why did that happen to me? Man, I'm gonna, I might get killed or I might not get healed. I'm labeled with this, whatever. Why? It must have put a, a significant strain on his relationship and his trust in God as it does with, for me as a human and I'm sure for you as well. When things, as I said, when things go up, we are cool. God is great, man. He is, he is all overcoming. But it's when things are down, when things don't seem as though they are aligned with His Word, then we have to stand and have confidence. Like I said, the first point is that we have to have confidence in God's character. That whether things are good or, not, or bad, that we still remember and believe that He is true. The same yesterday, today and forever, as I said. Now... Um, uh, as a, because of his kind of link and his prayerfulness, his closeness to God, his seeking after God, he is able to view his life, his small life in the greater scheme of life, as it were, in the world, in the uh, eyes of God, the sovereignty of God. And this had to be one of the areas that helped impact his attitude towards life. I cannot see it any other way looking at the word. His attitude was positive, though he's in a negative situation. And that positive attitude is born from spending time with, with God. Now, in the New King James, the, the theologians t- say that the word which happened in that verse are uh, in italics, meaning that these words are not in the original text. Now why is it important for me to, to mention that? Because nothing just happened to Paul. Nothing just happened to Paul. And that's true of us. Nothing just happens to us. 
We as, as God's children, nothing just happens to us. There are no ish or oops moments in our lives. There are no bad luck moments in the Christian life. Everything that comes into the life of the child of God, that's you and I, is by divine design. Hard to believe that, but everything, if you're a child of God, everything that happens in your life is by the divine design of God. God divinely orders our lives. Good health, poor health, prosperity, poverty, all these mixes, God puts them together into our lives, allows them into our lives with an exact blueprint in his mind. All of the specifications are in God's plan for your life. So things might seem as though they're going haywire, but God is taking them all to go. He's putting them, he, he's, uh, putting them together, allowing that to happen, not that to happen, because He has a plan. He's going to work things out for His glory, as we read earlier in verse 11. Uh, God gives us the fruits for the glory and praise of God the Father through Jesus Christ. See, there is no accident, no luck or bad luck, or luck for that matter, no coincidences when it comes to the life of the believer. Do we believe that? That's a hard statement to make, I know. I know for myself, it's a hard statement to make. Now for Paul, in this situation, it was a hard statement for him to deal with as well. The God, you allowed all of this. I'm in prison, I'm eating beans and cabbage. I don't know what they were eating, but I'm, I'm, I'm in prison. Things are not going so well. God, why? Why did you allow this to happen? Some ugly things happened. He was thrown into prison. But in, in his time with God, God he's, he, he, he's able to look at his life in a, in, in a, in a viewpoint of God's viewpoint. Not his own viewpoint, not his own little world. He sees it like this, as God looks at it. Now, the second point that I, can, um, I would like to mention out of this passage of Scripture is that for the Christian, we may expect some surprising turns of events in what happens to us. As we live this life, for you and I as the sons and daughters of the Most High King, we should and may expect the turn of events to be, to be different to what we expect them to be. This is the way you go and you can expect things might not be... Paul didn't expect to be put into prison. But it was a turn of event, thrown into prison for years. And see that, that Paul says... What has happened to me has actually turned out to be the, um, for the advantage of the gospel. The word actually is translated or means instead of what was expected. So the correct way to read that verse, of, uh, that verse is what has happened to me instead of what was expected has turned out. To be for the advantage of the gospel. So what has happened to me? Instead of what was expected, you know, being thrown to prison, I don't know what was expected, has turned, actually turned out for the uh, advantage of the gospel. 
And you see, oftentimes in our service to God, when things are going wrong, they are actually going right. Now, this can be hard to believe when again and again in the Christian life there's tragedies and accidents in inverted commas. Big and small. They all seem to be working against us. Yet after a while, we can see them turning out to be for the advantage of the gospel. Now for us to get to that place, we need to be spending intimate times with our King. Because I can tell you this, I can tell you what the Word of God is saying or says, I can try and convince you, but unless you are convinced by the Holy Spirit, unless He works in your heart and tells you that this is true, that this is right, uh, then you will battle. Yet you are a child of God, you will battle. We need to be spending time with Him. I mean, uh, for us as Christians, one way that, uh, or for me, that helps me to kind of deal with the unknown uh, is this passage of Scripture in Isaiah 55. Verse 8 to 9. When I don't have answers, I cannot, I cannot answer. I cannot tell you why this is happening. This is a, a scripture that I uh, often will turn to. It, it says this. Um, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now that's, uh, and, uh, someone might say, no, it's a little bit of a cop-out, because you, yeah, well, that's, that's fine. Because uh, I, don't, I don't have all the answers. But the Word of God says that His ways are not my ways. My thoughts are not His thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. So I can rest in that truth. That he knows what he's doing. That he knows why he's allowing what is happening to happen in my life. That he's got a divine purpose for every single part of my life. And um, I've got to rest in the truth. That his character is unchanging. And when I rest in that truth, when I know his character is unchanging, I can believe this word to be true. I can believe that his divine nature in my life will work out for the best Best in inverted commas for my life, but for his glory. And why I say the best in inverted commas is because his best might not necessarily look like what we expect our best to look like or be. So in conclusion, I ask, I leave you with this question. Do you know that God's hand is sovereignly working in your life? Do you honestly know that God's hand is actually sovereignly working in your life. Do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that God has a divine design behind every situation in your life? Every single uh, event that it takes place in your life, every blessing or every burden that you might face, do you believe that there's a divine purpose, the divine make in it? It was an unknown author who said this. Your attitude determines your altitude.
your attitude determines your altitude. Now, this is not a motivational uh, talk. Uh, it's an encouragement. Because how our attitude is when life throws whatever it throws at us will determine the outcome of how we, we walk through this life. God bless you all.